Welcome to episode 14 of the podcast of Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story. I am the author, Shireen Chichiboy. Chapter 14, A Different Kind of Dinner Time Judy loves to cook. It is her favorite way to minister and nurture her family. She has had to sublimate this desire for 10 months while she learned a new way of preparing her own nourishment and eating. Now, finally, those months are over. She is cooking for her family again. Even though she is weak from those months in hospital, she doesn't wait to re-establish her family dinner and family shopping rituals. These are the best expressions of her life's purpose. The genesis for the week's meals happens on Thursdays. Her shopping list is easy to draw up, for each night of the week has its designated meats. From sausages on Mondays, to hot dogs on Fridays, and her handmade hamburgers on Saturdays, her so-called night off. Once she hears the car crunch up the driveway, she and the girls pile in and Cliff turns it around to drive to Lindsay for grocery shopping. Cliff and the girls stay in the car, watching for Judy through the windows as she wheels a shopping cart up and down the aisles of the Lindsay supermarket. When she approaches the cashier, he goes into the store to pay for the groceries with cash and loads them up in the car while Judy goes to sit in the front passenger seat. Back at home, the family puts away the groceries before sitting down to dinner. Afterward, Judy feeds herself while Cindy watches, but does not touch or handle any of the supplies or equipment, and Cliff assists. This is technical stuff. There is no joy in injecting vitamins into IV bags and plugging those bags into catheters. For Judy, the joy comes in the tactility of raw food, the aromas of cooking food, the stolen tastes of food prepared by her hands. Sundays especially are her domain. She will have it no other way. And Sundays mean a big roast beef. Before church, Judy removes a large roast from the freezer to thaw. After lunch, she shoes the family away so that she can cook dinner. Alone in her kitchen, she hefts the bound roast into her trusty pan, the firm meat giving under her hands. She spices it with salt and pepper and cozies cut onions around it. She turns the oven on and slides the pan onto the upper rack. As the beef roasts, she pulls the potatoes one by one out of their dark bag. Their hardness is no match to her expert skinning of their thick peels, which pile up quickly in the sink. She boils the potatoes on the stove. Out of the freezer, she takes a bag of mixed frozen vegetables and boils those too, just before serving. At her command, Cliff switches off the TV and they all sit down at the table, including Aunt Connie, who has just arrived from her new home in Bob Cajun. Cliff carves and serves the roast onto five plates. Judy heaps the vegetables and potatoes beside the tender slices and passes the plates to the others. Her heart is full as she serves her family the meat and fruits of her love and sees the girl's eyes widening with anticipation. Judy places no plate in front of herself. Instead, she puts a clear glass of water at her right hand. She sips it occasionally as she chats with her family, her big voice and big laugh filling the room, and her warm eyes drawing her children, Cliff and his aunt, to her and their stories out of them. Their knives and forks clink against their plates, slicing meat and forking up the soft mashed potatoes, chasing errant peas, trying not to see Judy with only a glass of water in hand. That water glass screams, Why isn't Mum eating dinner? The silent question goes unanswered at the dinner table. 
As the girls tell of their escapades, another question lurks deeper in their hearts. What will happen to her and to them? They watch Judy place her water glass down, her laughter joining their giggles. Cliff and Aunt Connie eat while the girls exclaim, Great meal, Mom! But Cliff's guilt silences him. How can he extol the succulence of her roast beef, the butteriness of her mashed potatoes, or the sweet crunch of her famous cookies when his praises serve only to salivate her appetite, an appetite that, if satiated, would kill her? But Judy knows only gratitude to once again be sharing a meal with her family in their new home by the lake, each person in his or her place. Besides, Judy's appetite gnawing at her stomach had already driven her to sip the thin brown juices from the roast pan, to savor the texture of the melted beef fat on her tongue, to chew a morsel of the tender cooked meat before spinning it out into a napkin. She's careful not to do the latter in front of Miriam. They'll screw up her face and yell, Oh, gross, Mom! Dinner finished. Cliff announces to the kids, Time to wash up. The girls rotate chores. Tonight, Miriam and Julie clear the table and wash the dishes in the kitchen, while Cindy scrubs a plastic tablecloth covering their imitation mahogany dining table to ready it for assembling Judy's alimentation. Cliff goes to the second fridge out on the porch to retrieve Judy's alimentation supplies. He removes three one-liter bags of Amogen dextrose containing Amogen, dextrose, sodium chloride, sodium lactate, calcium gluconate, potassium chloride, magnesium sulfate, and trace amounts of zinc, cobalt, manganese, copper, and iodine. He deposits these on the table, being careful to keep their exit tubes off the tabletop so that they can warm up. Judia quickly learned how uncomfortably cold the alimentation is when going into her veins straight out of the fridge. They wait to start her feeding until after the younger two have gone to bed and Aunt Connie has left. While Cindy chats at the table with Judy, Cliff goes to the second fridge and comes back with an ampule of MVI and a bottle of heparin. He places those on the table, again being careful to keep their ends off the surface. Next, from the back room, he retrieves medication injection sites, a bottle of 80% isopropanol, pre-filter sets, a final bacterial filter set, garamycin cream, detergicide, and a plasma transfer set plus a box of gauze, non-allergenic adhesive tape, plastic syringes and disposable needles, and tubing sets and a vino tube. He leaves the sterile gloves on the shelf. Judy flips through the pages of the final summary that Zorab had given her until she finds a list of supplies and double-checks what is on the menu today. Yesterday, she'd penciled in the margins that she'd taken the syncovite, folic acid, synthroid, her thyroxine replacement, and rubermine. And Cliff has the cut on his finger from breaking off the ampule tops to prove it. His fingers are clumsier than Judy's. Before beginning, they wash their hands with soap and water, they don't use masks and no longer use the inconvenient sterile gloves since Jeej had taught them the no-touch method. This method requires they not touch any part of the supplies that will go into a tube, a bag, or Judy, and that way they prevent infection. While Cindy sits and watches, Judy unwraps a syringe and then one of the disposable needles, being careful not to touch its tip. She puts the needle in the syringe and props it up so that the needle is off the table. Using a serrated knife, she scores the glass ampule and breaks the top off. She doesn't cut her finger. She picks up the syringe and sucks out 5 cc's of MVI. Cindy asks her what it is. Judy answers it's her vitamins. Cindy asks why she needs them. Judy answers that the doctors want her to take them. Cindy asks her what they're for and what's in the bags. Judy continues to answer all her questions as patiently and as simply as possible. 
Cindy strains to comprehend what Judy is saying, but it's years before she fully understands that without all the stuff, her mother would die. Meanwhile, Cliff unwraps an injection site in tubing, being careful not to touch the ends of the tubing, picks up a bag of amogen dextrose, puts the injection site into it, and then puts the tubing into the injection site. Judy hands him the syringe of MVI and he shoots it into the bag. He connects the three bags with tubing and attaches the filters into the end tubing in the vena tube, its free end covered with a blue plastic protector. He places the bags inside the blood pressure cuffs, which are already attached to the pressure gauge on the air tank clamped onto Lester. He slowly opens the valve and raises the pressure to 200 millimeters mercury. He switches off the tank. He squeezes the last bag so that the solution runs down the tubing and through the filter sets, pushing all the air out. He clamps the end of the tube. Judy removes the sterile dressing that covers her Langer line and the heparin-filled syringe attached to it. It's a bit hard for her to see it, and she has to stretch her neck and tuck her chin in. She opens a package containing a cotton wipe and soaks the wipe with detergicide. She wipes off all the encrusted material on her skin and around the line. She removes the syringe from her line and plugs the end of amogen tubing into it. She unclamps the tubing, and the solution slowly drips in while they watch. Cliff, sick with fear of it clotting and stopping the flow, which would mean a fast trip down to TGH and Jeej. It would also mean that Judy could die. His heart pounds with each drop that flows down the tubing and into Judy. She just watches. Finally satisfied that all is well, Judy sends Cindy off to bed and retires to her chair to knit and watch TV for a couple of hours. Cliff follows her and sits in his chair. The alimentation ritual has taken 15 minutes. You have been listening to Lifeliner, the Judy Taylor story, a biography on a Canadian medical pioneer who made artificial feeding possible, podcast by the author Shireen Gigiboy, one chapter at a time. Music used for this podcast is I Like It Like That by Steph Sachs and The King Is Back by Echoed, licensed under Creative Commons. They can be found at dig.ccmixter.org under Instrumental Music for Film and Video. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. For more information or to leave a comment, please check out the website at ggboy.ca or the Twitter feed at Shireen J. So until next time, thank you for listening to Lifeliner. I'm Shireen Boy.